You're listening to the Play Big Brand Bowl podcast, episode 11. Welcome to the Play Big Brand Bowl podcast, business and branding advice to help you play a bigger game in your business and brand bold to stand out in the crowd. Each week, I'll be sharing interviews with business and creative professionals, as well as insights and strategies to help you do more of the things you want to do in your business, get confident, clear, and capable to build your business brand and bottom line. Hey, hey, welcome back to the podcast. I'm Suzanne Chadwick, your host, and today we are talking to somebody pretty special, actually. Karen Lawson is a personal friend and professional colleague and is the CEO of Slingshot. And we're going to be talking to her about innovation. And she is the lady to talk about. But before we dive in and before I talk to you about what we're going to cover in this episode, I did want to share with you that this podcast is brought to you by the Play Big Brand Bold online course which is for women in business who want to stand out, who want to get more confident, who want to nail their core message, want to nail their systems and their strategies and their customer experience and really create an amazing business that they can shout about from the rooftops and do big things with. So if you want to find out more about how you can play a bigger game and how you can brand boldly, then head to playbigbrandbold.com and check out all the information. Now today I am speaking with Karen Lawson, the CEO of Slingshot, a corporate accelerator program that is doing big things. And she's come from companies such as Yahoo 7. She was previously the CEO of Career One, and Karen has been forging her path in the digital space for some time. She's worked with companies like Qantas, Lions, and so many more. Karen and Slingshot bring startups into these large corporate environments to support them to think differently, develop new products and services, and innovate. And I love listening to the stories and the work that she's doing. Karen's received awards including BRW's Most Innovative Company in 2014, UN Women's Entrepreneurship Ambassador, nominee for the Telstra Business Women of the Year 2015, and Australian Growth Company 2015 as well. So today we are talking all about what makes an innovative leader, how to pitch those big solutions, building your brand, building the right relationships with key decision makers, thinking outside the box, and collaborating to take your business forward. So enjoy. So, Karen Lawson, welcome to the Play Big Brand Bold podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. So good to have you on. So, we were obviously just talking about how long we've known each other. You did speak at our Epic Summit in 2016, but you and I have known each other for, we're thinking about four or five years now. I think so. Yeah, where we met uh, when you were CEO of Career One uh, and I was in still an employer branding role. Uh, And since then, you have taken on a role that I have to say, I just get so excited about. (laughs) (laughs) It's just when when you told me that you were going to be moving to Slingshot, and we're going to be talking obviously about what they do and who you work with. It was really this area that I'm so super passionate about, which is about corporates really allowing the entrepreneurial spirit, ideas, 
people that, you know, are in this space to really come in and shake things up for them. And obviously that's what Slingshot is all about. So it's just been amazing to watch you take the business to a whole nother level and watch everything that you've been doing. So for those people who don't know you and who don't know that much about Slingshot, can you tell me a little bit about the business and what they do and how you got involved? Yeah, sure. So um, Slingshot is Australia's largest and leading corporate accelerator. Uh, So effectively what we do is that we connect and and you might say we uh, match corporates and startups together. Uh, And that really, for most corporates, is answering the question of how do we grow, how do we get new products, services, solutions, new commercial business models, how do we innovate and how do we do that in a faster, better, more effective way? Um, And it's this beautiful interconnection, I think, of these two enormous market forces that on their own are so powerful but and so different but when you combine them together um truly amazing outcomes are able to be achieved absolutely and when you came into this role how did you decide which clients you were going to work with because obviously this is a really i think new way of working i think that bringing startups into large corporates to solve their problems I don't know has it been done before is this is this slingshot new um so interestingly enough I mean around the world across a lot of different forums and industries um Australia is often up there in the top five or six in terms of you know digital adoption um, you know even looking at things like programmatic buying media we're actually a highly innovative nation Yet when it comes to accelerators, um, we are woefully behind the rest of the world in the use of that. And probably where that really stems from is a lack of education at board and also CEO level. So around the world, accelerators are used very commonly. Um, so and can I just ask, where you say a lack of education at the CEO yeah. and board level, do you mean on what an accelerator is? Yeah. Or? yeah. yeah. So... Um, Unlike many of my other roles where, uh, you know, I've said the name of the company and who I work for and somebody say, oh, like Yahoo or News, News Corporation, people are like, oh, yeah, I know what you do. Um, I tend to find a lot of my life is actually explaining not only the company but actually what the company does and what yeah. accelerator is and then what a corporate accelerator is because that's quite different. But around the world, corporate accelerators are actually very common. So, you know, brands, for example, like Disney, which I often use um, to help people understand the power of bringing startups and and corporates together. Um, Disney have been running their accelerator for many years. I don't know if any of your listeners have just gone out to see the, um, the last Star Wars movie. And one of the main characters in there is a robot called BB-8. It's basically a fat round machine ball and it's got kind of a head on it as it turns around. Probably not really describing it very well. No, but it's in all the ads. Like I know the one that you're talking, it's white and orange. Yeah. Yeah. But please go and look up BB-8. Now that... um, that actual character or the um, was made into a toy. And the reason that that became so successful were the founders of Disney were looking um, for unique ways to grow their business. And they found these um, this startup business 
And basically the character was just the sphere, just the, the body. And they asked if these guys could um, find a way of putting the head onto the, the, the ball. And they took them through the accelerator, which is a 12-week process where you really help these founders become much more effective business people. And through that process, they were actually able to get this whole thing come to life and, and turn this into um, a toy. And in the first um, few, uh, I think in the first you know day of sales, they sold something like 27,000. And over the last, you know, the first year of sales of that toy, um, toy sales in the US went up by 20%. Wow. So that's what happens when, you know, you have these um, startups and then you connect these startups to a large corporate like the power of Disney. And you can see how you can take innovation, but innovation can then scale through this enormous corporate with its branding and its um, channels to market. Because if those guys had just come out with BBA, it never would have gone anywhere. But the fact that they could actually connect to the corporate and scale that really fast around the world, um, you know, they just had a huge impact. And that's what that's kind of where there's this, almost like there's this magic around when we search uh, for a corporate, whether that's Qantas or Lion or HCF, and we're looking for startups that are doing incredible things in their kind of themes or areas of interest, we actually don't know what we're going to find. And there's an element of, I guess, unknown for the corporate of sometimes innovation, you have to put yourself outside of your comfort zone because we just do not know what is going to walk through those doors. We don't know in when we do our effectively our pitch days or our shark tank, who we're going to find, what the ideas are, how that's going to disrupt, change, enhance, grow their business. And we don't know whether that's going to be a small amount or could completely change materially what that business does. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's what's really exciting. But I said, uh, the actual process of running an accelerator is um, not generally very well known here in Australia, but overseas brands from Disney to Barclays to the Sunday Times have run accelerators because they're all looking for growth. Amazing. So let's take a step back and go back to basics for anybody that doesn't understand what an accelerator is. What's, what's like if you had to explain it to like maybe a 10-year-old, how, how would you explain what an accelerator is and what it's supposed to do? So um, I guess I'll break that down into to two way, to two steps. The first thing is what is an accelerator? So an accelerator has to have really five things. And the first thing is that... Um, you have to have a VC fund to invest into the startups that you find. Um, you then have to have a cohort, so a group of startups that go through a program. You generally have a curriculum of education. Around the world, the kind of standard is about 12 weeks of education. Uh, generally, that is, you know, classroom-based, so also the group of mentors are around those individuals. Mm -hmm. And then the final thing is uh, the demo day. So at the end of that process of finding startups, training them, mentoring them, investing in them, um, is the investor or the demo day where they get up on stage and they'll talk about their traction. And so that's what an accelerator is. Now, corporate accelerator is something slightly different in terms of, we only run that process when we have a corporate partner. So uh, the reason why we do it this way is that the founders originally started off just running accelerators. And what they really found was at the end of the process, the startups were still struggling to find customers. 
So they thought, well, if we flip this around and why don't we find the corporate customer first and then we go and find the startups that are actually solving problems or they've got new areas of business that the, um, the corporate's interested in. And so the corporate accelerator really is, it, it starts with, um, you know, probably finding three or four areas of interest or themes that the corporate is interested in. So for Qantas, it was things like um, seamless travel, um, health and well-being, or the use of technology and data. Uh, and then building a website, designing a website with the themes that sit inside that, and then marketing, not, not only just in Australia, but also um, around the world, to encourage great founders to apply to the program. Um, so we'll have anything between 300 or 500 applications for every corporate program that we run. Uh, and then we basically go through a process of taking those 500 applications, reading them all, interviewing them to get down to a short list of 50 that then pitch kind of like a shark tank or a dragon's den. And then from that pitch, we'll then select 10 or 12, both startups and scale-ups. So scale-ups are slightly further or um, uh, later stage businesses. Um, and then we'll invest into them anywhere between, well, basically up to about 150,000, 50,000 of that seed, um, 100,000 of that is follow on. And that slingshot um, venture uh, fund, that's our money, not the, um, not the corporate. And then we'll take them through that 12 week accelerator process of education. Uh, and during that time, we're really working with the corporate to help them understand what these ideas are, where they could fit inside the business, um, trying to get some trials going, or even maybe starting to explore investment opportunities into these startups or these businesses. So that come demo day, when those founders stand up on stage in front of 500 people, we've, you know, we can really talk about the traction and we can also talk about commercial outcomes. So for us, that's what a, that's what a corporate accelerator is. Amazing. So exciting. Um, and I do think, you know, we were also saying a little while ago that uh, these corporates, sometimes they've had people that have been in the business for a really long time. You know, there's a lot of legacy systems. There's, and the market is just moving so quickly now that in order for large corporates to keep up with what's happening generally, they've really got to start to think a little bit differently and take a different approach to what they've done maybe in the last 50 years, which, you know, the business might have been going for that, that long, if not longer. Yeah. So I guess one of the reasons why I really wanted to have you on the podcast as well, just because I find this so fascinating, but there's a couple of things, is that one is how do you secure these really big clients with a concept that is something that they may not have done before, understood, heard of, seen, etc. Um, and and how you kind of build your networks to connect with the right people. So maybe if we start with the networking one, you know, finding the right people in a business when it is something that's so new, how did you go about that networking and connecting with the right people? Yeah. The, the interesting thing with an accelerator is that, um, it's really the person that buys this is the CEO and the board. It's not really at any other level. The only other, I would say, area of the business that is focused on this critical growth challenge is corporate strategy. So 
whether it was Qantas or Lion or HCF, generally the leader of this initiative is the CEO in conjunction with the head of corporate or group strategy because they are looking into the future and building strategies for growth. Um, so to some degree, the network in terms of who you end up talking to um, is quite narrow uh, and it's incredibly senior. Sometimes it's also chairman. So with NRMA, the individual that really led this was actually Carl Lodes, who was the chairman of NRMA. So it's very rarely uh, ever instigated from, I would say, an executive level and pushed up. Um, sometimes it might be that the uh, executives of, you know, somebody may have come to one of the demo days or been involved in us and have been quite inspired and, and, and then they've got to find the right person. And then often the, the next question I'm asked is, how do I sell this into the organisation? And my answer is you don't. It's actually, it's a conversation with your CEO because they're the only ones that can really make the decision. So um, that's my contact point, which is generally the CEO. And then I guess in response to your other question around, you know, what kinds of customers. Um, interestingly enough, I was talking with one of our partners recently that had a lot of um, uh, experience overseas with other accelerators. And I said, who are the kinds of clients that you're, like the corporate clients you're seeing running accelerators? And the kinds of companies that they, and you know, when do they do them and what are their motivations? And most of the time they were saying they are organizations who are facing irrelevance, um, you know, a real laggards in the industry, are uh, seeing their industry being, you know, decimated or being outpaced. And interestingly, I would say the reverse is the experience of Slingshot. Uh, the CEOs who have done this have been, I would say, the number ones. They're at the top of their game. Um, Interesting. Yeah, so maybe the reason why they are number one is that they are willing to, to go outside of their comfort zones. They are willing to innovate. They are willing to step into an area where they don't know what the answers are. And maybe they can do that because they are successful and they've got money behind them and they've got secure, you know, they've got a secure board that they feel that they can take. I don't like to use the word a risk of doing accelerator because I would say the other way around. If you don't do an accelerator, the risk is you're going to be outpaced by everyone else mm -hmm. outside of the organization. So I would say it's a risk not to be doing something, whether it's an accelerator or working or having some form of strategy to connect outside of your innovation for all of this entrepreneurial excellence and talent yeah. sitting out there. I think it's just crazy to think your company, no matter how big it is or how many resources, can actually cover everything, every angle, because there's group think. You've got a culture. You've hired along a certain line. You've hired a certain kind of person. And so that, by default, actually creates weaknesses inside the business. Whereas if you can reach outside of the business, you're tapping into different ways of thinking, different experiences, different talent pools who would probably never be interested in actually working for you but are interested in working with you. Mm. So uh, for, for us, our clients really have been those businesses that are generally Australian-led going global or have got um, very strong CEO leaders that can make their own decisions. Um, 
they are yeah they're in their number one or number twos um they are passionate about being you know the customer experience and they're putting the customers at the front and the core of everything that they do and they have a visionary ceo i was just about to say what have you found because i am just like obsessed with human psychology and why people do what they do and why they buy and all the rest of it yeah. uh what have you found to be the biggest difference between leaders who have said yes and leaders who have said no um, I think it is that vision. Yeah. Uh, I, I, they, they, they look, they're kind of, they're looking at that, what McKinsey would talk about, the horizon three. They're focused not on today. They're not focused on tomorrow or adjacent technologies, but they're really saying, you know, in five years' time, in six years' time, it's driverless vehicles, it's flying cars, it's... Um, you know, it's it's new modes of transport. It's um, looking at how technology is going to change our health and well-being. It's connected devices. It's IoT. It's AR, VR. But we're going to make that happen today. Um, and so that they're they're already in the future. It's just that you can't possibly work on every single idea inside your organization. You probably don't have the talent to be able to do that, and certainly don't have the money or resources. So they're they're um, I think they're really setting a goal which then actually lifts the whole organisation up to be bolder, to think differently, to be creative, to make mistakes. Um, and I think one of the things, actually, I'll, I'll talk about Stuart Irving for a second because on Demo Day, he talked about what this accelerator had done for the culture of their business. And often when you kind of talk to leaders about why they do an accelerator, you would expect, often the number one reason why they do this is they're looking for new products or services and they don't buy an accelerator because of how it changes their company or their culture or um, has a real impact on their executives and their learning and their development. It's not something you would sign a check off on. But when you've done that, you have that aha moment and go, wow, this wasn't just about uh, finding a new product or a service what this did was actually change the culture of our business. And if you do it the right way, and, you know, Stuart talked about the energy this gave their business um, was almost like how Lion had been many, many years ago and they'd forgotten, uh, I guess, the passion, the drive, this intensity of working that made their teams become fitter and sped up, I think, maybe a little bit of um, internal, the external competition. And it really gave the business and energised it with all these different ideas that they were then trying to work out, right, how do we integrate this solution into our business and where do we do that and how do we take it global? And you can just feel that all of these new solutions are just permeating across the entire business, not just in one area, but having an effect across the whole organisation. Um, and he was saying that that was probably the best thing that they got from, from the, the process. Yeah, absolutely. Now, a little, now, a little while ago, we actually went out for dinner and we were talking about pitching because I do pitch as well and I, and I actually really love it. <laughs> you were sharing... You were sharing uh, some of your experiences and lessons with me about uh, the pitch process and what you had changed, and which was which I found really really interesting. And I think you know a lot of our listeners are 
SMEs, so small to medium enterprises, uh, and you know this this will be going out in the corporate space as well. But I would love to know your thoughts on when you're pitching something like this that's not really been done before. How do you approach the conversation? What are some of the things that you've learnt along the way that when you're pitching something that's maybe something a bit bigger uh, that you need to think about or that you need to do? Yeah. So uh, I think the first thing is uh, trying to avoid cold calls. Um, <laughs> so if you're going to spend time, invest time in building relationships. So if uh, let's say you're going to go after the, I don't know, go after the energy sector or the retail sector, then spend time in that world. So go to networking events, build relationships, um, think about, you know, who do you know that works in those kinds of industries and spend time with them because it's so much easier to find those decision makers when somebody says, hey, I've met with so-and-so, um, they've got a really great idea. I think, you know, A, you'd enjoy meeting them, so never a wasted, um, you know, afternoon, but B, they've actually got something that could help you. And they understand what we're doing. And I think you'll you'll find that whether you know whether you go with their idea or not, I think you'll find that a really worthwhile hour of your time because you're gonna learn something. Um, so I would say the first thing is just almost, you know, in terms of pitching, it's it's um it's building relationships and having the right to be able to have someone else give up an hour of their time to talk to you. Um, so you've kind of just got to make that count. Um, and then I, most of the, what I would say, probably what I do in those first meetings is, is less sales and more education and goodness knows I'm still learning myself. Um, but I think sharing experiences, I think there's a natural curiosity when anyone is doing something they've never done before. Um, there's a fear of failure. There's a fear of the unknown. Uh, fortunately, now we've kind of got a bank of really great reference customer mm. experiences and success stories. But in the early days, you know, no one was really doing this in Australia. So we didn't have all of those things to fall back on. And whilst there are hundreds and hundreds of accelerators all around the world, which you can point to, often people want to know, well, actually, if I'm Pfizer, did, you know, another pharmaceutical mm. company like Sanofi do this? Um, so, you know, finding those kind of commonalities because often people aren't brave enough to be the first one to say yes. They, you know, I think there's a, a saying that's, you know, no one got fired for buying IBM. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, but somebody had to buy Apple at some point, right? Yeah. So I think that's that's really important. And then I think in the, the pitch process, um, it's trying to find out as you go through conversations, where are the where are the points where people lean in, where are the points where people have real conversations with you as opposed to it just being one-sided and, and kind of build your pitch out around the, around those kind of conversation points. Um, and so if you know that there's pain, then why is that pain there? And then how are you going to really help them do that? And I think that's really part of that process. But the 
I think at the cold calling and the cold pitching, uh, I guess most people don't really like to be pitched at. Yes. <laughs> They'd rather just spend time talking about their business. Yeah. So I think if you can turn it into a conversation, then often that's more the pitch is the conversation yeah. and the talk at. Yeah, I like to call it story selling. Yeah. So it's just really like when you, when I hear, you know, what another business has done, how they did it differently, what the outcomes were, even though somebody's not selling to me, the yeah. story itself and the outcome of the story makes me go, well, how do I do that? Yeah. And how can I work with you? Or, yeah, I think that that's definitely nowadays, it's definitely what I think is working more for people. Yeah. So I've got a great example of that storytelling. So often um, people do kind of, I can talk through the process of an accelerator, but it doesn't come to life until we have a real life example. Yes. Even though I've just kind of explained what an accelerator is in terms of the stages, the thing that brings it to life is a real life story. And I'll give you an example of of what happened with Qantas. Um, One of the startups we were working with is called Medical Connect. And they had a kind of an idea or concept that um, would change the future of health and well-being around travel. So if any one of your listeners has ever got themselves into a situation overseas where they've been very unwell, Mm. you'll know that there's really only two options and neither of them are great, which is a private jet to get you back home or potentially a really undignified um, journey back on a passenger airline, which isn't a hospital. If you're very sick, it's still actually quite dangerous because it's not been set up and equipped to be a hospital. So their concept was that there are literally thousands of cargo um, jets um, flying every single day. And between the cockpit and where the cargo hold is, they believed that there was a space that could be converted into a hospital. Now, never been done before. There's no business organisation that does this around the world. So this is what we would call a highly disruptive startup. And um, Qantas decided to put them through the accelerator. And I think there was, you know, there was definitely debate about it was so disruptive, it had never been done before. But what we proved was that, A, this could be done. B, there was this space. Um, but... We also found the timing for Qantas wasn't right because all of their jets were coming up to end of life, so it wasn't worth refurbishing them. Um, So what happened next was truly remarkable, which was Qantas were able to get the startup in front of the executives at Boeing and Airbus to actually explore the plans for their new jets. And they were actually able to then change the plans for the jets so that in the next probably 24 months when these new aircraft arrive, they can potentially now be retrofitted or actually fitted, sorry, not retrofitted, with um, effectively these hospitals that are sitting inside these cargo jets. Wow. That is a great example of how a startup and a corporate coming together do something so remarkable that they couldn't have achieved on their own. And that's that's the power of an accelerator. And so that's my storytelling. That's yeah, what that's what I mean. I think that when people hear that, it just brings it to life, doesn't it? Does, it? It's, yeah. it's rather than just um, the theory of how it works. That's right. It's, yeah, an exciting outcome like that. That's amazing. Uh, and so when you've got a big client, like how long does it take you to get across the line? Because I think that 
when you're in sort of a solopreneur or a smaller business, then obviously the lead time is a lot shorter. Yes. Uh, but when you are going after, because I've got uh, clients who do work with larger corporates and, uh, you know, it's really having the, I guess, tenacity as well to understand the lead time. But yes. how long does it normally take you and what are some of the things that you've sort of done to help you to secure those bigger deals? Yeah. Um, honestly, um, I would say on average potentially a year, um, particularly with our business because for most corporates, they don't have a P&L line that says accelerator. So where, is the, where are they going to find the money and who owns this? Um, whereas for many of your listeners, depending on what their business is, it's probably got a P&L owner. It's probably got some form of budget set aside. And I'm guessing they've probably heard of whatever they're selling before or something like that. But I would say when, um, when something like an accelerator is unknown and you've got to educate that there's a whole layer to that. Um, and these are big, these are really big enterprise solutions. Um, so I would say on average they've taken that amount of time. Um, having said that, um, a new client we're about to announce um, probably in the next six weeks, we probably went from first conversation to them then saying yes within about six to seven weeks. Wow. <laughs> that would be nice if that happened all the time, wouldn't it? Yeah, I'm scratching my head. And yeah. another client... Um, in terms of the CEO saying, yes, absolutely, that also was fairly quick. I'd say probably about six weeks. But in terms of, uh, I think, the, the board signing off and the cycles of the board, then that's going to take a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. So, you know, again, it's just understanding how do people buy, what are, you know, what are those decisions, who has to be involved in that. Um, but I'd say generally with enterprises, um, you have to be really patient and I think that's incredibly hard because when you're a smaller business your you know your cash flow mm. and your timelines and your activity levels you know you, you can move really quickly and you can be very dynamic and you know a day for you feels like a really long time whereas when a corporate says right you know I'll, I'll get back to you and it's like three weeks um, for you that's you know it just feels like a lifetime so I think you have to have um, real patience and understanding uh, about how long these things um, take. And I also think on the flip side, I think corporates should take more responsibility for providing transparency to any younger businesses or just businesses they deal with to really help them understand and manage um, that process. Mm. Because you know, three months for a startup or a young business, you could be out of business. Your yeah. could have actually fallen over and you're relying on this piece of business coming in so that you don't need to go out and get, you know, more investment or go and get, you know, VC runs or, you know, do some capital raising or a bank loan. So, uh, it's, you know, you get caught in this cycle of, I don't want to tell the corporate I'm running out of money because then they see that I'm actually not a great bet. But at the same point, you're trying to portray yourself as, uh, you know, a successful business and you're, you don't want to push them too hard because you look needy. So it's a really hard balance. So I think we just need to be 
a bit kinder and a bit more thoughtful in doing business with one another when it is a large business and a smaller, younger business. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I know that you come from a really strong biz dev background in the majority of the roles that you're in. You've always been in business development. So when it comes to attracting or approaching businesses, what do you think that smaller or medium-sized businesses need to focus on more? Obviously, we were talking about building that relationship um, and getting out there. Is there anything else that you kind of do religiously or it's just part of how you operate in order to be in that kind of mode more of the time? Yeah. Look, Suze, I think what you do speaks volumes is um it's whether it's personal branding your team's branding your company's branding it's what you say what you do how you act um so the first thing anyone's probably going to do if they're going to meet with you is they're going to go onto your linkedin and they're going to want to see or well, what have you what have you written what have you posted um, who are you connected to how active are you are you that thought leader expert um, so you really have to spend time on your brand and that's not just your business brand. That's actually you and that's your exec team or that's your team. So making sure that you're active and you're relevant and you're showing thought leadership and you're authentic, um, I think is really, really important because I know that if I'm going to meet with anyone, the first thing I do is go and look them up on LinkedIn. If not only just to know what they look like when yeah crowded room or a meeting them in a cafe um, and so I'd be really surprised if anyone that your um, audience didn't talk to hadn't looked them up so I think that's really really important and having said I'm very very active on LinkedIn because that's where really my corporate customers are but you really need to know who are your customers and what are the best forums whether that's Snapchat or Instagram or Twitter or any one of social media or, you know, real newspapers, or whatever that is, what are the connection or the mechanics to build communication and how can you build a presence um, on, those, on those areas so that you feel really comfortable and connected when you meet them? Yeah, absolutely. Karen, so what's on the cards for Slingshot in 2018? Um, well, hopefully two new clients. <laughs> um, we've got, uh, we're just finishing Horizons, which is in uh, Brisbane. It's a tourism accelerator. Um, we'll be kicking off uh, two new accelerators and then we'll be moving into planning for Qantas 2, um, HCF is running now. We're going to be kicking off the accelerator in a couple of weeks. Uh, we've also got Lion. Um, we've got a couple of a number, a couple of government, state and federal governments, um, accelerators that we're going to be running. And then our, our newest new business, which is CoVentured, which is the online platform to connect corporates and startups. Um, Within just a few months, we've got 40 corporates on the platform. Wow. We're going to do the first um, demo day to connect corporates and startups together. And that's going to be in March. So it's the first time Australia's ever, yeah, Australia's ever seen this. Um, so we're hoping we'll have, or certainly all of CoVenture customers there, but we might have maybe 50 customers by then. And then we'd be moving um, into international territories. So we're going to 
be launching um, co-ventured into the US, into Asia, um, and into six different countries next year. So quite a lot to do. I mean, <laughs> just, just a couple of things then. And okay. so if, if we've got any startups that are listening that want to find out more about that, where should they go? It's really easy. It's called coventures.com. Yep. And any startup or young business can go onto the platform, create a profile, and also search for corporates that are potentially looking for um, businesses that are doing the kinds of activities that you are. So you can actually search and say, right, well, if I've got a new product or a service or a solution in this kind of area, what corporates are looking for for businesses like mine to help solve or help grow their business. And so we've seen tremendous successes already within um, just a few months of corporates and startups connecting. So it's been fantastic. We've already just seen the first investment by a corporate into a startup, which is a six-figure sum. So, yep, so it's going great. And we just want to help more young businesses grow. Amazing. I absolutely love hearing this. And I just think, that it's just going to become the way of the future as far as how businesses are working together. Because like you said, there are a lot of really amazing, smart people who don't particularly, may not want to work for an organisation, but are really, really keen to work with them. So I think that that's an exciting place to be. And as we just talked about, you know, pitching, finding your customers, it isn't easy. So one of the things that CoVentured is doing is, is helping those business founders connect to that decision maker and a bit like online dating it's much easier if you know that the person on the platform is actually you know up for a date and uh that's kind of what we're doing with co-ventured which is to really be to some degree you know your sales force and help you connect to those decision makers and hopefully help you get a sale and help you grow into amazing that's so awesome. Well, Karen, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's always awesome to talk to you. I love hearing about what you guys are doing and the fact that you are completely disrupting the market in Australia and bringing some fresh blood and new ideas into the corporate world. So thanks. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. It's been great to talk to you always. Well, I hope that you enjoyed that episode. Karen is amazing. Go and check out all of her links and connect with her if you can. She is a great woman in business to follow whether you are in a startup or whether you are in the corporate world so if you've got any comments or questions make sure you leave them on the podcast page as well and if you want to find out more about what we do here at the connection exchange then you can check us out at theconnectionexchange.com follow us on facebook at suzanne chadwick tcx or on instagram at theconnectionexchange underscore And I look forward to connecting again on our next episode.